Hi, I'm Oshin Nunni, welcoming you to the Siemens Advanta podcast, where we invite you to unlock the full potential of IoT. Every episode, we chat with some world-leading experts who can help to make the vision of an optimistic IoT-powered future a reality. Now, seven out of 10 people are expected to live in cities by 2050, and 43 megacities are predicted by the year 2030. But how can cities evolve to meet the needs of future generations and also rise to the environmental challenges that we all face? Today, we'll be exploring unlocking smart city value and adoption with two incredibly experienced and super knowledgeable IoT VIPs. Dave Hopping is the CEO at Siemens Smart Infrastructure Solutions and Services. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Sheen. It's great being with you, and I'm glad to be on the uh, podcast with uh, Jeremy. Awesome. And speaking of which, Jeremy Goldberg is the Worldwide Director of Critical Infrastructure at Microsoft and Harvard Ash Center Senior Innovation Fellow. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you, Oshin. Great to join you all and looking forward to our discussion today. Fabulous. So we like to start every episode with a personal question for our VIP guests. Uh, I'm going to ask you both, what is your favorite city and why? And uh, we're going to start with your good self, Dave. <laughs> That's a fun and interesting question to answer and some, somewhat of a difficult one because there's so many great cities around the world. And to be honest with you, it depends if I want to lay on the beach and be at a beach city somewhere or if I really want to enjoy the culture. But to answer your question, for me, it's probably London. Uh, I love the culture of London. I love the diversity of London. And I love the fact that they've embraced technology to really improve the uh, the lives for their citizens. Very good call. Wow. How do you follow that? Uh, over to yourself, Jeremy. It's New York City. Um, it's always reinventing itself. It's tireless. It's resilient. You know, the pace and the energy, the culture, and of course, the intellectual and economic hub. It's really an exciting place to be, to live, to enjoy. And uh, so New York City really is my favorite city in the world. Wow, absolutely. Two of the most exciting cities in the world there that you just mentioned. Uh, brilliant choices. Myself, I'm going to throw Dublin and Barcelona into the mix because I can't decide between the two of them. I love them both. Um, so let's look into the future. Now, the data around the future growth of cities is really beyond doubt. They will be a massive part of what it means to live on this planet. But in parallel, climate change data is also undeniable and we have an environmental emergency to deal with. Jeremy, starting with yourself, how do you think we can reconcile this need for progress and growth with the need for sustainability? Well, you're starting with some fastballs, so uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> appreciate that. Great way to go. Um, so, you know, it really starts with the imperative to change. Sure. And, you know, climate change, crisis events on the one hand, and struggles to really provide services to everyone who needs them. Yeah. So both problems will escalate in our cities uh, if we do nothing. So no one can deny the urgency. Floods in New York and Belgium, the issues with the Texas grid, all these things within a city environment. Mm -hmm. And this commitment really to a higher purpose goes right up to our CEO, Satya Nadella. So digitalization and sustainability are no longer the nice to have. These are systems that you know, allow us to measure, you know, really to analyze so many more things about how our cities work and what will allow them to effectively respond to these crises. So running them all, you know, on increasingly efficient systems with the overarching goal of getting carbon emissions as low as possible and as quickly as possible, right? It's not a race against the clock. It's already been ticking, right? Wow. I don't think we need to reconcile these things. 
the solutions to both are just down the same path. Excellent. I'm very happy to hear that. That's very optimistic. You really get that sense of urgency from what you're saying there. So coming over to yourself, Dave, the technology is central to the solution for smart cities, but it might be helpful for our listeners just to step back and define what we mean when we're talking about the smart city opportunity. What kind of scenarios do you see being able to benefit from smart infrastructure technology and why? I totally agree with what Jeremy mentioned. I'd like to piggyback on this a little bit. Um, Growth is inevitable, first of all. We're forecasting to have roughly 9.7 billion people populating the planet by 2050, 60 to 70% of that uh, population is going to be in cities. And for us, from a technology standpoint, we recognize that growth is inevitable, Mm. but it has to be sustainable. What I mean by that is it's not okay just to keep doing more and more and more. The carbon emission topic, decarbonization, how people live and work, more of a congested world. Jeremy, as you mentioned, the world challenges we have around resiliency or security, whether it's weather-related or otherwise, these are all facts and extremely important topics. And what we believe in Siemens is that um, technology is an enabler to help with that growth, to make infrastructure and to make technology more sustainable over time. So for us in our business, we focus really on utilities, grid, industries, and buildings. So it's not roads, bridges, you know, et cetera. And there's a number of different use cases around helping to decarbonize cities, helping cities be more efficient, whether that's more operational cost or energy, helping people be more safe and secure while they're in cities. And so there's many specific use cases by vertical market, but these are some of the value propositions that tie into this challenge of growth and population expansion over time. And we need to solve this problem or it could be very detrimental to the world. We have to start thinking about the solutions that are effectively system-wide. At the same time, to you know, Dave's point, right, solving the short-term problems, right, there are a number of things right now in front of us, but thinking about and having an eye toward how that's enabling the long-term plan that we know we have to tackle system-wide. I think it's important maybe for the audience as well is that when we talk smart cities, sometimes it's a buzz term and it can be something very large. It could be something very small. So you go to areas like China, for example, and they're building entire cities and they have the luxury to build it from the ground up, taking into account resiliency, security, decarbonization, efficiency. But as we all know, there's other parts of the world, whether it's some of our favorite cities where they exist today, and a city is made up of a lot of small pieces, right? You have office buildings, you have hospitals, you have universities, you have residential. And so how you make a city smart, sometimes it can't happen all in one fell swoop. Sometimes it takes place over time, and the value propositions can be a little different by the vertical market that you're dealing with, whether it's an education, living space, university, et cetera. So It is a um, complex topic, but I think it's a challenge worthwhile that we all work to uh, to solve. Speaking about all of the different perspectives on what makes a city, what makes a smart city, for the folks who live there, a lot of the overlap with city management is via councils, local and regional governments, uh, you know, those kind of organisations. Coming over to yourself, Jeremy, how do you think the IoT can help city governments to better serve the people who live there? Are you bringing it to the most central part of all of this, which is within a city, it's people. And most people, 
simply view government services as something from the government. And so the operational landscape of city governments, including the services that are provided to the public, it's your transit, your social services. These are the things you know most people interact with on a regular basis. And transit is perhaps foremost in people's minds. So let's use an example. Data can help transit systems run more effectively in ways that have real impact on day-to-day life. Shorter wait times for the subway, quicker commutes, lower costs. Is it safe, especially in this COVID era that we live? Um, you know, there are a number of great examples of how to integrate a lot of these disconnected systems into a way that speaks to the needs of the people. And it's a data as the foundational part of it. Totally, totally. And we live in a world of joined up user experience and consumer experiences. And there's a certain expectation that things are just going to work and they're going to be seamless and they're not going to be siloed. And, uh, you know, of course, exactly as you're saying there, that applies very much to consumers experience within a smart city. So it looks like there is a huge opportunity for cities and the organizations and governments that run them. But as the recent IPCC report summarized, we've really reached a crisis point in terms of the speed that we need to deploy this amazing technology. And I I quote, they said it was a code red for humanity. Now, Dave, coming over to yourself, we have a lot of C-suite listeners to the Siemens Advanta podcast who will possibly be wondering how can they deploy and leverage these great solutions at speed? Uh, What's your advice? My advice is to... First and foremost, it's good to have a plan and a strategy because just use an analogy. I don't think you eat an apple all at once, right? You take one bite at a time. So when you're looking at a a city, what are they trying to achieve? And Jeremy, you mentioned a lot of the what cities are trying to provide to their constituents and to their residents. They, They need to have a strategy. It would be good to work with a company that could help them lay out a vision for the future and then look at individual use cases that provides value to the city and their residents on an individual case that makes sense, but ties into the strategy that the city is trying to achieve. I can give one simple example. We actually deploy something very simply in a city that is saving millions of dollars to the city, and it has to do with utility manhole covers. So there's millions of manhole covers They get damaged, they get broken into, they actually have trucks that run around and repair these on a regular uh, daily basis. And so we we actually deployed IoT technology and placed that data into a cloud platform so the city could see their status of all the manhole covers and therefore proactively know when there was a problem, when something was broken into, when one was removed, um, when maybe one was flooding, and that they could proactively deploy then response to fix that. Now, in the big scheme of things, manhole covers might not seem so important, but in a city, it's millions of dollars, there's millions of these, and the savings associated with that individual use case might seem very simple, but that's just an example of how one specific activity can really add value to the city. And the payback, by the way, was less than a year and a half, and save the city millions of dollars, which then they were able to redeploy those funds for other services within the city. So this is just an example, and there's hundreds of these, but it has to be part of an overall plan and trying to understand what the city is trying to uh, achieve for their citizens. Mm. If if I may kind of just add in here too, because I mean, it's, it's obviously always best illustrated by these examples and 
where there has been an impact, where the technology being deployed, where moving quickly really does drive the intended kind of outcome that the government would hope for its people. To anchor this really though, you know, Satya put it, you know, last year, he talked about seeing, you know, two years worth of digital transformation in two months from remote teamwork and learning and customer service and, and all these, you know, really amazing kind of innovations and technology at the same time to the point that Dave raised about strategy, you know, today with digital transformation and the rapid kind of development and application of these technologies top of mind for lots of government agencies, the path forward as part of the planning should both include, you know, consistent investment in the new technologies that improve the services, but I say simultaneous investment in top tier security. Security is sort of the elephant in every room, but you know, we're in a situation where we know it needs to be done. We know that the tech works. It's there. It's ready to go. You know, we have the business cases, which both of you have mentioned there. But of course, people in government are working for the public and are very much influenced by what the public are thinking. So, Jeremy, from this perspective, do you come across any kind of blockers uh, in terms of public support or public understanding of uh, IoT in cities? And uh, how can we address them? Uh, fundamentally, I think what we're talking about here is a, a trust problem. Um, trust is key, right? More data equals more opportunities to lose trust. But good use of data builds trust. So people need to experience this all working better for them to generate better trust in our public institutions. There are three like, particularly important points. It's you know service delivery is where it starts, right? People need to go to government for something with delays, costs, difficulty, Finding the information, challenges, all of it leads to a lost trust that government, you know, can't effectively do its job. The transparency pieces, right, around an agency and, and people increasingly, you know, understand the stakes of data collection mm-hmm. and analysis and the public sector needs to take it seriously. So this means really being, you know, absolutely clear about what data is being collected, for what reason and how it's being used. So give people the ability uh, to check in on this as, you know, the Estonian government, for example, has, which is a, a great partner of Microsoft. So people there have an ability to see who within the government has accessed their data and can contrast it to see if they believe it's been misused. And then finally, it's engagement. You know, you need to get out into the communities and actually work with people and trusted organizations there. So we know that governments are, that are physically closer to their people, like in cities, as we know, are trusted more than those that are further away. Uh, So working with people to understand their concerns and and bring to bear those resources to help solve those problems with them. Indeed. So trust is absolutely the new oil. And I'm so glad you mentioned Estonia there. I'm an Estonian e-citizen myself. I've been to Tallinn. Absolutely love it. Uh, It's a a fantastic vision of the future there. So speaking of which, Dave, talk to us a bit about the long-term view. How can people in public and private sectors who want to implement these kind of great technologies, how can they actually ensure long-term success? Do you have any tips there? Yeah, I think the emergence of new business models can really help with this. And what I mean by that is, I think there's an opportunity to really um, be more aggressive in the marketplace with more public-private partnerships and have more of an outcome-based business model where maybe a city would pay for value of the IoT technology or smart city technology 
based on outcomes that they're trying to derive. That way they're paying when they use it. And that way they're also paying based on outcome that they're expecting to get. And I think this can really help with this trust question because otherwise maybe years ago, it was more of a capital outlay and maybe you wouldn't trust the vendor or maybe you wouldn't get the results that was promised. And so you combine new business models with an outcome-based approach. And I, I really think that this can help enable faster adoption of these uh, technologies and results in cities. And they exist today, by the way. They exist today with um, energy as a service or data as a service or security as a service. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like the opportunity for cities is massive and there are very helpful and innovative new business models like the ones that you just mentioned for cities to actually uh, dive in and, you know, get this stuff moving and start reaping the benefits ASAP. Speaking of which, Coming over to yourself, Jeremy, there is, of course, a lot of current and upcoming investments being announced, investments in infrastructure. What does this all mean for cities and how can they potentially use all of this funding that's out there successfully? In both the US and the EU, infrastructure spending is at the top of the priority list with investments being laid out for transportation, say sustainability, digitalization and security. So when it comes to you know, the technology to support the physical infrastructure, mm-hmm. adopting cloud solutions has the dual benefit of better security now and more flexibility, you know, for adapting to future threats. So that'll be a key priority for critical infrastructure operators and organizations and other public sector organizations. And, and I should add also, you know, not only will those help these organizations operate more securely, uh, but cloud migration is also offers opportunities for operational improvements, as we discussed earlier. Indeed, indeed. And there's cool technology like digital twins and there's operating systems for cities that are just mind blowing. They can optimize stuff in the digital world before it happens in the real world. So it seems like so many people are going to live in cities and there is a chance, a real opportunity for cities to thrive, to evolve and uh, you know, to benefit from these massive funding opportunities. Um, But to remain attractive, they really need to have a bit of a rethink about the systems, the purpose, the principles on which they operate, and really focus on the needs of future generations, because that's where so much of the focus is is rightly going. So, um, you know, open question to both of you, and I'd like to start with yourself, Dave. What would be your key messages and action points for our C-suite listeners? You know, what do they need to know about to empower them to take action to ensure that our cities are smart, resilient, sustainable, and future-proof? Yeah, my, my key points would be have a plan, have a strategy, take an outside-in view to make sure you understand what's potential and what's available in the marketplace, and then design your infrastructure improvements, whether that is road, bridges, buildings, airports, grids, to utilize technology and have a long-term approach And I I would really ask the cities and the C-suite audience, look at total cost of ownership and not just first cost. Because Mm. for me, we should not be spending money on infrastructure in today's world, in today's technology environment, without making it smart, without having it be connected and lowering total cost of operation and total cost of ownership, no matter what type of infrastructure we have. So these would be some of my key points that I think we should really, really take a look at. Mm, Indeed. And from the sound of what you've been saying, a lot of this stuff pays for itself really quickly. 
And, uh, you know, there are, there's so many more benefits associated with freeing up that long-term budget as well and kind of helping them to, to get out of a rut maybe and really grasp the nettle of the future. And uh, coming over to yourself, Jeremy, what are your top tips in terms of uh, cities, in terms of technology? And, uh, you know, what would you recommend our sweet, sweet listeners take away with them today? Technology, you know, with purpose, right? So when we think about it in those terms and we begin with resilience, you know, the importance of you know, connectivity and a data-driven approach to protect people and critical infrastructure during crisis or in preparation for the unforeseen events that happen in everyday life in a city. So tech is an enabler for adaptability, both for the short-term, you know, response where we're talking about, you know, minimizing disruption uh, and, and rapid recovery. And so future-proofing, that's where I would be really thinking is about how do you adapt the long-term change. Second, on the sustainability and decarbonization pieces, you know, more energy efficiency, higher performing buildings, let's say, and infrastructure, tech plays a critical role. And Microsoft, with its network of, you know, several hundred thousand partners and our partnership specifically with Siemens, you know, integrating, you know, a lot of buildings into the new energy system, right? Efficiency matters a whole lot. Decarbonization, you know, matters a whole lot. And so across an entire supply chain, uh, so the more efficient we can be on the consumption and the more positive impact, you know, ripples through that system. And, And finally, it's on the quality of life pieces. Tech's role in creating a new future of work, for example, for a better employee experience and what is now a much more flexible hybrid oriented working world. Uh, and that's not specific to any one industry, you know, but I would encourage and, and really focus on how to meet the needs of the public sector customer in this case, in terms of how they can more effectively work and plan for the long-term reality of, of a hybrid work environment for government officials. I loved your comment about technology with purpose. Our, our two companies have that in common. That's one of the key pillar value propositions of Siemens. And this is what we also strive to do every day. So um, I, I loved your thought on that. Thank you. Well, the public-private partnership orientation about this, and I know it's clearly part of the core values of, of Siemens and of Microsoft. And so we're in this for the long game, for sure. I agree. Absolutely. Technology with purpose across the board. And we've got a great glimpse today into what this can actually do and mean and the difference it can make for all of our future. So thank you so much to our duo of smart city gurus for giving us a glimpse of a very exciting future of how we work and live. Thank you to Dave Hopping, CEO at Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. And uh, Jeremy, I, I look forward to the dialogue and look forward to following up with you afterwards. Tremendous. And speaking of which, thank you very much to Jeremy Goldberg, the Worldwide Director of Critical Infrastructure at Microsoft. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Enjoy this thoroughly. And thank you for your your teams and helping to get this all organized today. Really appreciate it. Outstanding. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this fascinating discussion. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to tell your friends, colleagues and family and feel free to subscribe to the Siemens Advanta podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See you next time.